From the studios in the swamps of Jersey, this is Teeing It Up with Jeremy Schilling for Monday, June 17th, NBA Draft Week. And the wild, wild west of the NBA Draft starts. This is Teeing It Up with Jeremy Schilling. Um, Monday after the U.S. Open, we will talk about the U.S. Open tomorrow. Uh, Gary Woodland gets his first major. We welcome to the show, though, to talk about basketball, Mr. Jordan Brickman. Welcome back, sir. Hey, Jeremy, how you doing? I'm good. All right, leading into Game 5 of the NBA Finals, what was your vision for how free agency would play out? What was your thought as to where KD and Clay and Kyrie and AD and all these pieces were going to end up? Uh, plus Kawhi. Um, I think Kawhi, I think no one, I, I think... I had no idea what I was going to do, whether they win or lose. Still don't know what he's going to do. I know they were, they were chanting his name today or, or chanting five more years at Kawhi today. So that's definitely got a pretty good sales pitch on a, on a championship parade. Yeah. Uh, float. Um, but I have no idea what he was going to do. Um, I had a feeling that, that the Knicks did not have the bullets for AD. Um, there was like, I, I kind of spun up a trade machine idea where they got Bradley Beal involved and it just kind of felt like they were giving up the entire roster for him. So that didn't really make sense. So it came down to Boston and the Lakers, and Boston also really makes sense, you know, considering Kyrie's probably going to leave, and then are they really going to trade Tatum and Brown, which is probably what it would take to get Anthony Davis, and then Anthony Davis can play with nobody on Boston, or on the Celtics, so I don't really see that happening, so it really makes sense the Lakers are going to get it done, uh, they're going to be the desperate team, they have the short window with LeBron to win, uh, it just makes sense that, that, that he was going to go there, so I kind of, I would have predicted that. Um, KD, you know, it seems like he's probably going to resign with Golden State now because he can kind of sit there for a year and maybe come back to the playoffs. But uh, I'm not counting the Knicks out yet. I would actually love for the Knicks to sign him for a year, tank again, just develop again, and then you have KD hopefully fully healthy next year. Who knows the type of you know level he is? He'll probably still be a top 25 player in the NBA with all these young players. Another top pick, still the flexibility. That's kind of what I'm still praying for and hoping for, but I don't think anyone really knows there. Uh, Clay's going to resign, no question. Um, and, I, and I think the only Kyrie wiggle, uh, surprising factor here is that the Lakers are now going to be a front runner for him and, and him and Kemba. Uh, so I, I'll believe him when he signs with the Nets when, when, when it actually does happen because uh, I think there's better fits out there for him and, and, and we'll see what happens there. But um, some things have changed, some things haven't changed. It's, it's been an interesting few weeks, to say the least. Yeah, pre-injury, were you convinced? I had sent you those links. I had sent you those quotes. Were you convinced that KD was going to become a Nick? Uh, the whole time, I've been skeptical. Uh, like same, same like I said with Kyrie, I'll believe it when I see it. And still, I still believe that. Um, you know, the the it, it, I was trying to avoid it for all these months of like, nah, I don't think it's going to happen. You know, it's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. And then there was just so much reporting about it that I let it seep into my mind and I started to believe it might happen. I still think it, it could happen. There really hasn't been any reports since the finals, since the injury about where he might go other than, other than a lot of teams are still down to sign him to that max deal. Um, so it's definitely crept into my mind. I, I still think there's a chance, but um, I'm try, I've been trying to, to not let myself believe that's actually going to happen for, for a while now. All right. So now, now let's go backwards. Um, sorry. Now let's go forwards in time. You were the coach of an AAU basketball team during their finals, during the semifinals and their finals. This is everything that team had worked for. Very similar 
to what the Warriors had gone through. This is everything they'd worked towards all year. And KD gets medically cleared with this calf injury to come back and play in game five. As you now, having coached once, and I don't know if you had to deal with any injuries while you were coaching this AAU team, but now that you've gotten that perspective of how much this means to people, if you were Steve Kerr, if you were Bob Myers, if you were the medical staff, would you have let KD play in game five? Yes, at the end of the day, if the medical staff says he's good to go, then that's, you know, Steve Kerr's not a doctor, Kevin Durant's not a doctor, if the, if the doctors say he's good to go, and I believe that he was good to go, um, then you're going to let him play. The guy's going to want to play. He's a competitor. Um, this is the biggest stage. He has a chance to do something amazing for his legacy as well and, and bring the team back. He, he clearly felt good, like he was dancing before the game. He had, he had a sick alley-oop before the game. Like, he looked athletic. Um you know what are you going to do? It's just kind of it's just kind of the nature of the beast. Guys are going to play hurt. Kawhi was playing hurt. Kyle Lowry was playing hurt. You know different injuries. Obviously the severities are, are a little bit unknown at least for Kawhi. Um, but if the, if the doctor is clear, he's going to play. That's just how it is. Like I don't blame anyone at all in the situation. It's interesting. It's absolutely fascinating. Um, I was gutted for KD, and I just feel horrible for him. You work so hard, and now you have this Achilles injury which some believe is a career ender, or, or, or sorry, not a career ender, but a career changer and changes the dynamic of a player you can be. But KD is a freak. KD is, you know, one of the best players ever to play the game, one of the best players on the court right now playing basketball. This is not your rudimentary Achilles injury. Sorry, rudimentary person suffering an Achilles injury. What's your sense? Just as somebody who watches as much basketball as you do, what's your sense of what KD will be when he comes back? So I think the closest comparison for him is Rudy Gay. Um, similar age, similar position, similarly a very high athlete. Obviously wasn't elite, but was an all-star level player um, when, he, when he tore his Achilles. And it'll take him, he'll, he'll, be, he'll either sit out all next year, he'll come back just to get a little bit of minutes and get his legs under him. It seems like he can come back and still be a great player, in my opinion. You know, if he's a top two, three, four player right now, even if he drops off 20%, he's still, what, a top 25 player in the NBA. He's still probably going to be pretty darn elite. The question is going to be the rest days. The, the, it, does it increase more injuries? The, does it shorten the window where, where he's still really good? It almost, the answer to all those is almost definitely yes. Um, but I do believe that when he comes back in 2000, uh, for the 2020-2021 season, he will be uh, still a great player. There's going to be some differences. There's going to be those rest days. He might not be as explosive. But he's so skilled and such a mismatch, even just from his size, that he will still, that he will still be a major impact player in the NBA. And now we go to Clay, who tears his ACL in Game 6. Well, for, first of all, they come back in Game 5. And to me, I think that was the emotion of the moment. And it shows you how clutch Clay and Steph can be. Um, but, and, and Nick Nurse you know, catches a huge break, obviously, winning the NBA Finals. His country loves him. His team loves him. I don't know why you call a timeout there after the run Kawhi went on. What a! I think that game is the ultimate NBA showcase. Game five. Before we get to game six, I think game five Jordan is the ultimate NBA showcase in the sense of you can't say that Kevin Durant doesn't have harder or or selfish or doesn't care. He clearly cared. He clearly had to say I want to play, and he played, and he got hurt. 
You've got Kawhi Leonard just going off and trying to single-handedly take his team to a championship. And you've got Clay and Steph stepping up in a big spot after a first-year coach, very experienced, but a first-year coach in the NBA makes what I thought was a poor timeout after that run, gives him time to regroup, and that team finds it, is able to resuscitate itself, basically. I thought that was a great showcase of NBA talent just in that last, what, four minutes was that? Three minutes, three and a half, something like that? Yeah, yeah. I actually have a buddy who, uh, big hockey fan, not a big NBA fan, who watched that game, and he was like, you know what, I'm starting to see what this whole NBA thing is about. Like, that mm. actually turned him into a, a basketball fan. You know, who was we'll see how into it he gets next year for the regular season, but it actually kind of, it, it was such a good game and such good storytelling with the with the KD injury and the comeback and the timeout and and when Kawhi went on that run, you're thinking it's over. This is MJS, you know. And then all of a sudden they 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 they, they blow it after the timeout. It was just such good such good uh, narrative, and it was really I tweeted this at the time that it was peak sports. Yeah. That, that that game was just why you watch sports for that kind of. You never know what's going to happen next, and and that's kind of how the whole series went. Really, even with the clay injury, you know, he was playing amazing in Game Six, and then he you cut the he, they go to commercial, and he's being carried to the locker room, and they come back and set the free throw line, and you know we were going crazy where I was watching it. It was it was just amazing, amazing series and, and an amazing um, you know stretch of games, and and you really didn't know what was going to happen from game to game, and even when they were down three one. I still thought they could come back, even down 3-2. They got a great look at the end, even potentially forced a game seven. They just missed it. It was just it was just an incredible showcase for the league. Um, have you seen the video? I forgot to send this to you. Have you seen the video that ESPN posted of the raw video during the timeout after Clay tears his ACL? So he goes down, obviously, in game six, tears his ACL. Um, did, did you see the video of them realizing that they could be losing him by him not shooting that free throw and him turning around. Have, have you seen the raw video of that? Yes, I, yes, I, I did. I, they showed it during the game. That's um, one of the most kind of, amazing um, things. He was able to move, and I remember Doris Burke was saying, yeah. you know, he's in the back, he's jumping up and down, and then two minutes later he was out for the game and on crutches. It's 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 crazy. Um, obviously, what I and and if, and and for anybody out there, if you have not read the uh, whole Ramona Shelburne article about the Warriors and this end. It's so good. It is so, so good. And as she said, once they got back there and once the adrenaline wore off and these stiffened, then obviously they said it's unstable. You can't go back out there. But that raw video, and folks, if you haven't seen it, Clay Thompson comes back to shoot the free throw. Just YouTube that. ESPN posted their raw video during commercial. He's about halfway into the tunnel when they realize, somebody from the Warriors staff realizes he's got to shoot these two free throws. Comes back out. And I texted somebody at the time, that may have won them the series if he was able to come back, but obviously it was a more serious injury. We now need to give some love to Toronto. This is a team that I think a lot of people had their eyes on um, from day one to possibly win or, or to at least be in the finals. And that was because of Kawhi Leonard and because of uh, Kyle Lowry. That was not because of Fred Van Vliet, who averaged 11 points per game and whose playoff average uh, was uh, eight points per game, but is a whole lot different when you actually delve into the numbers. I'm shocked. I, I, I'm just, I think he's the unsung hero of this series. I think Hubie Brown was right to vote for him as the MVP. 
Fred Van Vliet in these playoffs, especially in those last two series, a guy I frankly had never heard of, had forgotten from the Wichita State days, came out and played like he belonged in that moment every single game. It was so impressive to watch. Yeah, he was really incredible. I mean, he had the ball in his hands at the end of the game in game six. He was the one that was breaking the ball up the floor and running. Yeah. Defense and, um, they were the one that he was the one that they were trusting with the ball in his hands. I mean, I was saying after, I mean, Kawhi is the MVP, but I was saying that he definitely put his name in the conversation as, as you know, maybe the number two option on that team um, for, for MVP. It, it, it's pretty amazing um, what he was able to do. And, it was right after the birth of his, of his child. <laughs> he just got hot and, and, and kept going and then kept, kept that confidence throughout the series. And I kept saying to people I was with that if he's going to get cold, he's going to go ice cold eventually, he's going to miss, you know, seven threes in a game or something like that. It just never happened. He just got better and better. It was, it was pretty, pretty remarkable. It, pretty, it was pretty remarkable. I also think a lot of people are going to forget out of that game six, and this is something they will remember when they watch it back at a later date. Kyle Lowry's start to game six. What was it, 12 straight points, I believe? Just yeah, the, it, was, it was incredible. Yes, I, I think it was, I, I think at one point it was like 14-11, and it was 12 Lowry points and two for the rest of the team. Well, it was just an incredible start, what he did to give that team a juggernaut after, you know, being an Oracle, last game in Oracle, all these emotions, and to get themselves back into that game and into that moment, I thought was a heck of a job by Kyle Lowry. It was, yeah, it was a great job by them. Just all-around team effort, you know, multiple games where they had five guys in double digits. Um, just, just, a, just a great job all around. They're totally a deserving champion. Um, and I just want to say that, you know, a lot of people have been talking about how the asterisks and the injuries, that's a part of the game. A, B, the Warriors have won multiple championships thanks to injuries, especially their first one with Kyrie and Kevin Love out. Yeah. Uh, Chris Paul last year, there's been so many injuries. The Raptors were a great team. I thought they were the better team with, with Kevin Durant out. I thought they were, even if they lost game six with a healthy clay, they would have won game seven, I think. They were the better team for sure and, and, and totally deserving. And, and, and it'll be interesting to see what happens in the next year. Absolutely. Um, and, you know, I think, too, what Kawhi does now is fascinating um, because here's a guy that, for all intents and purposes, um, was a rental. And I think everybody in power would admit that he was a rental. And lo and behold, um, he you know gives Toronto and, and the country of Canada their, their first you know major win. Blah, 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 blah. I'm sorry, first major winner. I'm thinking golf here. First title. Um, you know, blah, 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 blah. We can go on forever. And I just wonder if this changes his views. He seems to have enjoyed his time there. I don't think any of us can read or understand Kawhi or guess what Kawhi's thinking at any given time. But I, I do find it interesting. Just just on, on a... It'll be fascinating to see. I, I think, you know, we can guess and, and predict what he's going to do. But I think... Uh, you know, we'll know by you know July fourth, July fifth or so what, what he's planning on doing. Uh, the Raptors can offer him a big a big deal, so so we'll see if he if he wants to stay there. I, I think if I'm Kawhi, I would probably sign like a two year deal because um, I think that the Raptors window is not huge. That way, you come back your two year deal. He's still young. Everybody tests for agency. I think at twenty or twenty nine, he'll get another max deal, um, and then to, you know kind of see where you are. That I think that's what I would do if I was him. Yeah. Before we move on to AD, we've got, um, just to uh, clean up something, Game 3 was the game that the Raptors, all their starters, had, had, had 17 or more points. I mean, that just, you know, speaks volumes. Yeah, I mean, that game was, 
you want to talk about a team effort. Uh, that that was a team effort, and and, and they had five guys. Sorry, six guys in in uh, double figures if you count Van Vliet. All right, season ends. We had a break for what was that? Uh, Forty eight hours until the Woj bomb on on Saturday, and uh, I I had read, and I think you had read too, that a lot of teams might make that AD move before the draft to basically say, hey. We've got Anthony Davis, now come join us. And they make this move to trade him to Los Angeles for Ingram and Hart and Ball. Why do we need to see more LeVar Ball, Jordan? Why? Why hasn't he gone away? Can we just get LeVar Ball away? He faded a little bit this year. He wasn't as loud as he normally was. Yeah, I think he was told by uh, LeBron James. The company, you better be quiet. <laughs> but anyway, and then three first round picks, including number four. I think this is a win win for both teams. It was a toxic situation in New Orleans. They get a bunch of young pieces and a bunch of draft picks. They can now flip the four if they want. They're going to get Zion. You've got a, an interesting core there now with Drew Holiday. And LeBron gets his guy. And to me, I think this is a an, an, an appropriate, good trade for both guys. And Los Angeles kept Kyle Kuzma, which is a coup for them. Yeah, I mean, uh, it's a trade that, that both teams kind of have to make, right? Uh, the Lakers absolutely needed to, to get that superstar. Um, and, you know, who knows if they're going to sign one or not. But um, if they could take it matters into their own, ha- own hands, they should. And that's what they did. So... So that, that makes sense. There is a disaster situation for the Lakers where Anthony Davis doesn't sign the contract extension and LeBron has another major injury this year. Uh, Anthony Davis could easily walk. Uh, if that were to happen, they would be pretty much left with nothing. They might, you know, of course, they might sign a, a Kemba or a Kyrie and then they still might have a little bit of a core there. But um, that, that could be devastating for the Lakers. So that'll be interesting to watch how, how LeBron does and, and how much he shows he has left, which I think personally that he has a ton left. Um, but that, that'll be interesting to watch. And then for the Pelicans, I mean, they have a great core. I think Alonzo is, is a great fit for, for, for Zion next, next to him. Um, you know, two plus defenders that, that uh, pass first players that can, you know, obviously throw him lobs and, and get the ball to him in the post. Ingram had some really strong stretches last year. He's a guy that needs the ball in his hands, and now obviously playing our team without LeBron, he'll have a chance to, to do that. Uh, I, I think the world of Drew Holiday, I think he's an excellent player. Uh, interested to see if they'll, if they'll keep him. I think that they will. I think Drew Holiday's a great player on that team. Um, and then the, the, all the picks, you know, the, the, the fourth overall pick, you know, it seems like there's not really a consensus on who that will be, but uh, Jared Culver, DeAndre Hunter, one of these guys, even Cam Reddish, Bull Bull. So there's a lot of different options at, the, at that spot. Um, they'll get a talented player, no doubt. And then the picks later, they can either use as assets or just get more more pieces. Um, they, they, they did a great job of retooling the team. And, that, and that's a, they have a full starting five that, that's pretty interesting uh, that they can build around. And, you know, obviously we all think Zion's going to be an, an absolute elite player. So uh, if those are the guys who can play their roles and develop a little bit, they're, they're off to a pretty good start. Yeah, it is a pretty good start uh, for them, and and obviously this this wild season's just getting started. As you sit here right now, um, and and we're and we're talking to Jordan Brickman here about uh, the NBA as we head towards the draft this coming Thursday on ESPN. Um, as you sit here right now, to me, what's interesting about this this landscape now with the draft. Um, and and getting this pick and what they've done for LeBron is that 
there's all these, and, and I'm not going to go into it. There's the July 6th option for this trade, and there's the July 30th option for this trade, which gives it, which would give the Lakers more more room, which would then allow them to bring in a higher caliber free agent. And I wonder how many teams are going to go into this draft thinking they know what's going to happen in free agency, because it's almost like, do you wish the draft would happen before free agency or after free agency? We go through this in every sport. And for, for me, if I was a team, I would want to go into the draft knowing who I've picked up in free agency so I can compliment them, especially with this many big pieces. In an ideal world, as a Nick fan, where would you want this draft to, when would you want this draft to be held? For the Knicks, I don't think it matters. Uh, you know, you could, if they were the two pick uh, and everything, and the and KD was healthy and all those guys were healthy, I think it would matter more because it'd be hard to decide if you want to draft John Moran or if you want to sign Kyrie. I think that that would be a difference maker. But because they're the three pick, there really is only one option, and that's RJ Barrett. Um, and I and I and I think that that that's kind of it makes makes it a little bit simpler for them that they are the three pick. Um, you know, there's outlier scenarios where you hope where you'd want to have free agency first, but I think the draft before is, is really what makes the most sense for the league. All right, so what's your head at now when it comes to what Kevin Durant will do? Because I was with you. Uh, sorry, I, I was with the uh, uh, consensus out there, and I, and I think with you deep down that he was going to become a Nick, and I think that's why the tabloids put Nick's lose game five on the back page after. Oh what happened last week and you know he sends that text to clay that says you know you'll be back we have unfinished business or we each have unfinished business whatever it is and i think there is a scenario where you rehab together you and you do this and and try to see what you come up with um down the line almost as a wait you thought you know you could win without us or, or sorry you 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 doubted the importance of me. You said that they didn't need me to win. They almost won without me, blah, blah, blah. Well, F you. I'm going to go out there and, and, you know, blast everybody once I'm back. And us five who, you know, apparently did not like each other actually love each other and we're going to be wonderful. Um, I do see that scenario where KD comes back. Um, what's your thought just on what KD will do now? He's out for the year. We know that Clay's out for the year. Um, most likely, or, or, or back in the late spring, and we'll see how that team is and if they even want to push it at that point. It's an interesting scenario, I think, for these two guys. I could see them opting in together. Yeah, I mean, well, Katie does have a player option, which he hasn't declined yet, um, so he could, in theory, do it for that for one year. Uh, I don't know if that makes the right move, but it, that's certainly an option out there. Um, you know, I think kind of part of the argument for why he would come to the Knicks or a team like the Knicks is to quote-unquote kind of repair his legacy or, or, you know, create his own path. But this injury actually did repair his legacy kind of for him. Yes. You know, now everyone sees him as this warrior, this guy that the Warriors did. Warrior in the sense of he, he's going to go to battle for you and then true warrior and then he's a Golden State warrior. Um, I, I, and, and I think that this kind of actually fixed that legacy a little bit. He's always been this baller who's going to go out there and do whatever it takes to win, and he's kind of fixed that now uh, with the injury, ironically enough. So if, he, if, he, if that was the reason and he does feel like that's fixed, he might want to stay. Plus, you know, he could, they'll pay him the most money. They give him the longest deal. And, to, and 
you know, odds are they're still going to be pretty darn good for a long time, and he could win. He could win two, three more championships, even if he's not the the, the player that he that he you know once was. Even if he is, you know, the twenty fifth best player instead of the second best player in the NBA. So, uh, gun to my head, I'll probably bet that he goes back to the Warriors. But um, I don't know if anyone truly knows what. what similar to Katie, uh, similar to Kawhi, rather. I don't know if anyone truly knows what what he's going to be doing. Let me ask you this, uh, and this is getting a little technical here for for, for, for for any general listeners, and I know that there's some who listen to this podcast. Um, Ryan Russillo and Woj were talking on their on on uh, Ryan's podcast last week about, is this the end of one and done's? Is KD's injury and the the uncertainty that can happen after it going to make players rethink the one-on-one? What, what do you think about that? No, I don't think so. I mean, injuries are always going to be a problem. Guys have had ruptured their Achilles for years. Guys have torn their ACL for years. I don't think this is like a unique, you know, new scenario where guys are getting hurt more and more now. This isn't like like baseball pitchers, how they're getting hurt more and more uh, than they ever have been before. I don't think it's like that. So I think guys are going to do what makes the most sense. And like I said kind of earlier, Kawhi might, maybe not the one or one, but Kawhi could do the, you know, the two, the two with an, a player option or something like that, you know, the short-term deals. Uh, and I also think that those guys, Clay and KD, if they wanted to go sign somewhere else right now and not resign with the Warriors, they would 100% get max contracts. So it's not like they're going to be losing out on any money. Yeah. The only guys that are taking those one-on-one deals are the elite players. Uh, or, the, or they're the guys like Julius Randle who are still young and kind of finding their spot in this league um, who don't have any other options. So yeah. I, don't, I don't think that this is the end of that. Took me about five minutes, but I finally remembered what I, what I was going to say before about something you said. When you were talking about how there is this nightmare scenario for for the Lakers with AD, that brought me back memories of of the Brooklyn Boston trade and how that just did not work out for Brooklyn and it fucked Brooklyn for what five years, six years. Yeah, I mean Brian Windhorst actually made that comparison on, on Twitter. I, I don't agree with that exactly. I mean, I, in the sense that. There's a disaster scenario, and the and the Lakers can become like the Nets. That that is a realistic scenario. Yeah. Um, but the the Nets got Paul Pierce and Kevin Garnett with like two years left in their careers. The Lakers are getting Anthony Davis, who is a top five, top six, top seven player in his prime. Um, I don't think it's apples to apples there. I kind of see where they're coming from and where you're coming from on it, but I don't think it's the same thing. Um, and also at the end of the day, if the let's say disaster scenario happens. LeBron gets hurt, Anthony Davis walks, they didn't sign another elite player, and they just have LeBron and Kuz next year. If they really want to blow it up, it'd be interesting to see if they could trade LeBron. Um, like, that'll get you some pieces. You think teams aren't going to, even even if he has a major injury, as long as it's not like a ruptured Achilles or something like KD had, um, you can always trade him if, if, if Davis walks and things just don't work out. It'd be interesting to see what, uh, you know, what that would look like. Yeah. All right, so now this NBA draft, we're talking to Jordan Brickman here on Teeing It Up. Jay Billis said this today about R.J. Barrett, who is the presumed pick for the Knicks. Um, he was asked, um, do you think any of his shooting issues at Duke uh, give you pause about how he translates to the NBA? Not really, because he does so many other things well. I think he's going to improve his shooting. It's not a thing where he's, he's, he's got a broken shot or his mechanics need a complete overhaul. He just needs to uh, 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 refine it and improve there. His free throw shooting, 66%, give or take. Shot 31 from three, which is not great. He needs to improve there, but he will. I think he will. It's been shown that you can take a guy that struggles to shoot it, make him into a good shooter in the NBA. You can take a good shooter and make him a very good shooter. He does so many things well. Do I think 
Uh, sorry, does he need to improve his shooting? Yes, but he's got all-star ability. I think he will be that. I think he'll continue to improve in every aspect, but I think his shooting will be the one that uh, becomes the, the more glaring, the, the, the most glaring improvement. Um, you've done a lot of film research on, 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 on him, both right after they, the, the Knicks got the three pick and then leading up to Thursday. What's your final take, quote-unquote, on R.J. Barrett leading into the draft? Yeah, I think what it comes down to, and he's a guy that I, that I didn't love watching this year um, and kind of you know hating on him for most of the season, but um, he's the guy with the, the highest floor and the highest ceiling at the third pick. Um, and I don't think it's really close compared to the other players. And there's, there's, a, there's a world where he's obviously not the third best player in the draft, um, but I think just from what he brings to the table, he has the highest likelihood of being an impact player in the NBA at, the, at that slot. So I think you have to take him. You know, they say you can keep shooting. There's some guys that never learned it, like a look at like a Rondo um, or, or uh, like a Tony Allen or guys like that or Michael Kidd Gilchrist that have never really figured out how to shoot. I don't think R.J. Barrett's that. He's not the guy with the broken mechanics. Who's to, to Jay Billis's point, he's not that guy who's, who's going to shoot you know 25 percent from three for the, for his career. His form does look pretty good. I'm sure there's some things they can iron out. And and you know, Steve Nash is his godfather. Is, is not a not a bad guy to have in your corner to teach you about mechanics. Um, so I do believe that he'll figure out his shooting. Um, he does have the, 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 the seemingly the right mindset and the right physical tools to be an impact player in the NBA. Um, you know, I think there's a lot in every aspect of his game that he needs to work on, but I think the wide open, more uh, uh, pace and space style of the NBA will fit him. Uh, you know, he did something, some, some, he put up some numbers that were unprecedented in college with a team that didn't shoot, um, and, and didn't really cater to his strength. So the NBA is definitely more his speed. It's definitely more up the alley of what he's what he's good at and what his strong suit is. And the Knicks need a guy like him, a, a wing that can, can that can have the ball in their hands, that can distribute and create. They don't have that right now. Um, so they, they need a lot of things. That's one of the things they definitely need. So I think that he's got to be the right pick. And, and I'm excited to see see how he does. You know, him him and Knox seem to mesh well. As far as Knox being kind of the catch and shoot guy, the guy that attacks off the dribble, there with the ball in his hands, Dennis Smith Jr. with the ball in his hands, and, and Mitchell Robinson, the guy catching the lob. So, um, you know, they, they, even if they don't get the KDs or these, these big, big free agents of the world, they do have a core of their building with as much cap flexibility as they possibly can have, as long as they don't, you know, go and sign a Tobias Harris and, and a Kemba Walker and Max Fields. Um, I think you're looking at a. At a Interesting and exciting young core for the next few years. Absolutely. All right. Before I ask you my final question, you have to tell this story. It's the best content I saw all week last week. This is so New York City. Just take it away. Explain to people what happened because this is just... I, I This had me cracking about three times in a row when I watched it. <laughs> um, yeah, so my roommate bought a Tesla, uh, you know, self-driving car, and... One of the features of a Tesla is that you can have it drive to you in a parking lot or on a street or something to just kind of, it'll, it'll self-drive to you, which is pretty amazing. And we wanted to test this feature out. So uh, we got out of the car, we walked up like half a block, and we started to have it drive to us. As we did that, a gentleman was walking on the street and, tra- and started to, to, cut, to cut in front of the car. Didn't realize that the car was driving itself with no driver in it. And he kind of, when we kind of recorded him just by chance, um, just being totally shocked by the car driving on its own, realizing that we're behind it, behind him controlling the car, and he laughed, and he actually pulled his phone out and started recording the car doing it. 
Um, so it was really kind of a funny, very, to your point, very New York um, moment. Um, and, and it was just amazing to see the Tesla kind of do that. And I think this guy just had no idea what was happening. Was just, I was kind of blowing uh, all in that moment. Nothing like walking on a New York City street and you just see a car with no driver in it and you go, what the hell is happening here? <laughs> Thank you for telling that story. That was great. All right, final question. The Knicks get who as a free agent? Just just make your prediction. We'll run this audio back in the fall, and we'll see if you're right. Oof. I kind of hope, you know, again, I hope my, I'm hope i rooting for them to sign Kevin Durant and then nobody else, um, and just kind of see what happens. It's, it's very un-Nick-like to do nothing. Um, <laughs> so if I'm going to make a prediction, I'm going to say Julius Randle. Um, is a guy they get. He's a guy who had who was on the Pelicans last year. Uh, had a pretty amazing season, actually better than I realized he had. He was incredible last year and improved his three point shooting. I could see them signing him to a similar deal that he just signed with the Pelicans, which is kind of that one and one deal. Uh, but I, I think he can. Get, I think in the free agent market he'll, he'll be offered like some three year, fifteen million dollar year deals. Or the Knicks can come in and say, hey, we'll give you 20 mil for, you know, kind of a Jabari Parker type deal. 20, 22 mil, come play with us for one year, make that money, and then you'll be 25. Uh, he'll get a ton of playing time on the Knicks. Maybe trade him in the, maybe trade him at the uh, deadline or something. He's just like kind of a big contract that has some talent, young guy, that they can bring in to, uh, you know, maybe te- teach some of the kids some stuff. And they, and they need they need a four. They don't really have a four right now. Um, so I think, I think if I had to guess somebody, I'll say Julius Randle. Average 21-8, actually 9 if you round up, and 3 last year. So, yeah, uh, very productive indeed. Also productive are your appearances on this show. Uh, so we thank you once again, sir, for coming on Teeing It Up with Jeremy Schilling. We will see you in about three weeks once all the dust settles to analyze the new-look NBA. And this could be the new-look NBA or it could be the same-look NBA, depending on how many pieces and chess pieces move. That's right. I look forward to it, Jeremy. Thanks for having me on. You, 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 you got it, dude. And uh, thank you all for listening to this edition of Teeing It Up with Jeremy Schilling.